Thanks a lot for the invitation. So as Martin said, that's a project uh, where we try, um, uh, me and together, uh, uh, three other PhD students, bring together or put together a database on immigration policies in um, all OECD countries and also across time. And we are about halfway through the project. Uh, we have just finished um, the data collection, also the data cleaning, but here I will focus on, on, on more the conceptual aspects of the project because actually we are just about to start uh, the analysis, so there's no, no data I can present you out next time I will uh, <coughs> present some, some analysis. Um, so the, my, my talk today draws uh, uh, on, 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 on two papers we have already written, uh, so in case you, you want to see more details, I am, uh, would be happy to send it around. So one is a, a paper that will come out in the International Migration Review that I wrote together with my PhD students, and that actually compares all the existing uh, indices um, and databases that are already out there. So Martin mentioned this, uh, it's a growing, there's actually a growing literature on, in, in this field. So in, in the first step of this project, actually we try to uh, um, give an overview um, of what is already out there, uh, what are the problems, what are the strengths of, of the indices and works that have already been done. Actually, as a starting point for our, our own project, um, that we uh, present briefly in a, in a newsletter, a contribution that has been has appeared uh, last year. That's actually, uh, in case you're interested, um, um, a, good, uh, a good publication for if you want to see more about, about this field, because different people, among other, others, Martin, um, have uh, contributed to this newsletter, and uh, that's also that's a collection of small articles that present different projects on how to measure uh, immigration uh, policies. And in there, we also have a small paper on our own project that where the conceptualization of this project is actually briefly presented. So that's, that's the basis of the, of the talk today. Um, and that's actually also the briefly the structure of this talk. So first, I will talk about what is already out there. Uh, strengths and weaknesses of existing indices, databases, and then I will present our own conceptualization. So, actually, there's already quite a lot of work that's done in this field on um, uh, immigration indices. So, that, that's a list of, of different works and projects that have been done over the last uh, decade or so. Uh, people who have tried to measure uh, certain aspects of uh, immigration policy. So, there's actually already quite a lot of work. Uh, in this field. Um, so what we did in this paper, we, we, we evaluated the existing works databases uh, on the basis of this scheme. So what is the empirical scope? How did they conceptualize immigration policies? How did they measure and aggregate it? And that's based on a, on a, on a seminal uh, article by Monten Pakulun, who uh, presented a way to, concept, uh, to, to evaluate uh, different measures of, of democracy. And so we took actually the same or very similar um, scheme to, measure, to, to um, evaluate uh, different measurements of immigration policies. And, and those are the four main aspects we covered. So I don't, I don't want to go into all the details, but just show you various aspects actually we, we compared in, in, in these works. So when it comes to empirical scope, we see in immigration literature that most of the work who does um, measure immigration policies uh, actually only covers subfields. So there's very few work that tries to uh, cover immigration policy as such. So most works, um, for example, analyze uh, labor migration policies or asylum policy, and, and so different uh, specific aspects. Um, most, uh, uh, most of the work covers single years. There's some work that covers longer periods than just individual years. And there's some kind of a trade-off, obviously, that's related to, um, to resources. 
So uh, either you have uh, databases that cover one year and a lot of countries, or it's only a few countries but long periods. So that's uh, basically the trade-off in the, in the field so far. And most of the work, but there are some, some notable exceptions, uh, cover mostly Western, Western countries, Western Europe, or traditional settler countries. But there's little work that covers there's some, some of the indices also cover um, developing countries. So that's, that's um, uh, regarding the empirical scope. When it comes to the conceptual, conceptualization, uh, the, the main problem we saw in the field so far is that there's almost no definition of what actually immigration policy is. And um, at first you might say, well, it's pretty clear what immigration policy is. But as you will see in a minute, there's actually a, a lot of questions you should ask or we ask in this project to to, um, to clearly define immigration policy and also delimit it from, from from other fields because uh, we think that there's many different aspects that uh, one should take into consideration when we talk about immigration policy. So what we what we discovered is that actually there's there's very little work on conceptualization on what actually immigration policy is. There's some short definition sometimes, but no real discussion of, of what is actually what we, do we actually mean when we talk about immigration policies. On the other hand, when, we, when it comes to the concrete aspects that are covered in this field, there's actually uh, hardly any redundancy or conflation, so this is actually really properly done uh, when it comes to the measurement or the conceptualization. Um, uh, measurement, um, there's also um, very few discussions on reliability, on how to justify measurement levels, how do you um, uh, actually completely measure this. Um, it's, most of the time, pretty clear what uh, people measure, but there's very little justifications of, of uh, how things are done. Um, and also, when it comes to the documentation of coding rules, that's actually quite important to do, to, you know, to know what people really did. I would say about half of the, of the databases make it pretty clear how they measure it and uh, how they collect the data. And, but this, there's also a lot of, of work that doesn't really uh, explicitly tell you uh, how they did this. Uh, and, and similar when it comes to uh, aggregation, there's very, actually quite a good documentation of how data has been aggregated into real uh, indices, but there's very little methodological conceptual discussion of why aggregation is done in a certain way and not in another way. So there's actually a lot of, of, of uh, strengths in these works and that were quite important for our own uh, database that we used to um, conceptualize our. But there's also a series of, of weaknesses that we try to overcome in this index. So uh, first of all, conceptualization. So we try to uh, conceptualize this in a, in a, in a quite detailed way um, to better actually justify why items have been selected and with which methodology has been applied and, uh, to, to, to offer a broader empirical scope. And also, uh, that's, that's not part of the talk there, but where uh, reliability issues is also quite important when it comes to the sources of which sources do you actually use to, to uh, measure, to, uh, which kind of data you use uh, to measure emigration policies. So uh, let me now um, talk about our own INPIC index. So I will cover in this talk now, if you take the same scheme I presented before, how to conceptualize or how to, to evaluate um, immigration policy. That's, that's the three parts I will cover. I will not talk about education because, as I said, we just finished the data collection, so we're just about to do the empirical as uh, the empirical stuff. Um, but I will briefly talk about empirical, the empirical scope, the conceptualization, how we measured and collected the data. So briefly, the empirical scope. Uh, what we do is uh, we try to cover all relevant migration fields 
uh, to cover all aspects of immigration policies across time from 1980 to 2010. Um, we cover all OECD countries. Now, um, conceptualization of, of, of immigration policies. So I will first give you a brief, very broad definition that is also used in other works and then uh, discussing more detail, presenting more detail what the main aspects of our index are. So broadly speaking, uh, we mean, uh, by, by immigration policies, we mean government statements of what it intends to do or not to do in regards to the selection, admission, settlement, and deportation of foreign citizens residing in the country. So that's a very broad definition that is also used by, by other people, um, but that, that somehow serves as a starting uh, point for our more detailed conceptualization. What is also important, so um, by immigration, we understand, and most people understand, uh, when people move from one nation state to another, and thereby taking up residence in the destination country. So people who stay in a country for a long period, or at least intend to stay for a long period. There are definitions that clearly stay, state uh, you know, the amount of time you need to stay in a country to be considered as an immigrant, like a year or so. Uh, we think it's, it's very difficult to give a clear, uh, to talk about specific time periods, because especially nowadays when people, when there's a lot of immigration, people move around uh, frequently from, uh, from yeah, to different countries to speak of a, of a clear a time period. But uh, what is important when it comes to immigration that people at least intend to take up residence, so they leave the country to stay for a certain period in another country. Now, more importantly, we think there are four questions that one needs to ask when we talk, when we conceptualize immigration policies to clearly delimit it from other fields and to make clear what we talk about. So, do we talk about policy outputs or outcomes? Uh, how can we delimit um, immigration policy from neighboring fields like integration or citizenship policies? So there's some overlap, but we need, need to clearly uh, um, define what the differences are. Then what kind of sub-policies do we have? What are the different fields uh, that are covered by immigration? And then also what are the different dimensions of policy, of, of immigration policy? So let me just go through uh, these uh, four different uh, aspects and how we answer this for, for our project. So when it comes to uh, policy outputs, outcomes, um, yeah, in this project we clearly talk or mean uh, policy outputs, so and by this we mean the legal binding de uh, decisions uh, of immigration policy. So it's, it's the laws uh, that we cover, and not as some other projects sometimes also do um, policy outcomes, so in this case it would mainly be immigration rates. There are also projects who conflate both aspects because, and rightly so, uh, they argue that uh, obviously the, the, the legal formal regulations is only one aspect of immigration policy. That depends a lot on how um, those laws are implemented because this is sometimes also quite important to actually understand how restrictive or liberal the state is. Um, and so this is, immigration rates normally serve to measure or help us to measure these, these implementation aspects because they tell us actually what is really coming out at the end of the, of the whole policy process. Um, but we think it's, uh, first of all, it's, it's important to clearly make a difference between policy outputs and policy outcomes, especially to measure actually the impact of policies. So, so to know whether policies are effective or not, we need to distinguish these two steps and then in, in, a, in, a in the next empirical step actually bring these uh, aspects together to, for example, measure the actual effects of policy outputs or policy outcomes. So we do not cover implementation aspects, which is, which is of course a limit of this project, but uh, this will be a whole different project than also to cover implementation aspects. Um, 
neighboring fields. So we make a difference between entry, settlement, and full membership, which corresponds to the three main fields of immigration, integration, and citizenship or naturalization policies. So here we clearly talk only about entry aspects um, at the territory border and not aspects about integration and citizenship inside the border. Um, so th this seems pretty clear here, but uh, in reality, of course, it's, there's always some overlap and it's not, it's not possible to completely distinguish, especially immigration and integration policies. As you will see in a minute, we also cover rights that are uh, related to immigrants, immigrant status, and that's uh, you know, um, the link to integration policies. Um, and you could argue that some of the aspects we cover uh, are also part of integration policies. So the difference we make, we only cover rights that are directly related to the status of immigrant and that are important actually to stay in a country, and that's mostly uh, economic and social rights. So that's rights you actually need to get to be able to live in a country. Contrary to cultural or political rights that might also be important, but those aspects are more important to integrate and not, not crucial actually to, to stay and live in a country. So that's the difference we make between integration and uh, immigration policy, but of course, social and economic rights are important to integrate, so that's also part of integration policy. So that's the overlap we have between integration and immigration. But we still think it's also part of immigration because it's, it's an aspect that attracts people and uh, helps them to stay in the country as an immigrant. Um, so we do not cover integration and citizenship aspects, mainly because actually there is already a lot of work uh, in this field. Um, and in this field, I would say it's even more advanced than in the, than the immigration literature. So most, you know, probably most of you are familiar with these uh, indices that uh, cover integration and also citizenship and naturalization aspects. So and also because there is already a lot of work out there, we focus on, on we clearly focus on immigration aspects. Um, now, besides uh, the neighboring fields and the policy output, uh, policy output uh, question, we also need to make a difference between different policy dimensions and, and policy fields um, that are relevant when we talk about immigration policies and that are relevant for our own uh, work here. So first of all, we make a difference between different sub-policy fields that make up immigration policies. So we have four groups, labor migration policies, asylum policies, family policies related to family reunification, and policies related to coetnix or narcotics. We understand regulations that give certain immigration groups uh, uh, specific rights or more rights to immigrate due to historical or cultural reasons, because there's a cultural connection between these groups and the, and the host country, or there's uh, historical reasons why certain, certain uh, groups are privileged, for mostly uh, cultural reasons. And so these, especially the, the, the three, um, um, the first three groups, they also cover the fields that uh, are most important in terms of numbers of immigrants. But the main reason we make this differentiation is, is so we make a difference between the, the main reasons why a state accept, accepts immigrants. That's, that's actually the idea behind this uh, conceptualization. Why does a state accept immigrants? Uh, it might <coughs> accept immigrants for economic reasons, that's labor migration. Uh, humanitarian reasons, that's asylum, uh, social reasons, that's family reunification, and cultural reasons, uh, or historical reasons, and that's the coex. That's the main uh, reasons why uh, a state comes up with immigration policies. Now, on the policy dimension side, we make three different um, differentiations. First of all, we make a differentiation between regulations and control mechanisms. So, regulations is actually the main category here. Regulations concerns the rights and duties 
immigrants have uh, when they immigrate. So that's the conditions, the eligibility criteria on the one side, but also the rights they get once uh, they are in the country. Um, now the problem is um, you might have a lot of regulations, uh, but you also need to, to somehow control them because if there are no consequences, if you do not respect regulations, then obviously uh, the regulations are of no use and do not tell us anything about the how res uh, res respective a state is towards immigrants. So to give an example, uh, for example, um, uh, in the labor migration field, um, you might, there might be regulations that says you need a work permit under certain conditions um, uh, to, to be able to work in a country. But obviously, if nobody controls whether there's illegal migration and, and people working without a permit, this regulation is, is, is not of, of much use. So you need, for example, sanctions against um, em employers who hire uh, people without working permit or worksite controls, for example. So th those are mechanisms that actually control whether, whether people really have a working permit. Or when it comes to immigration as such, um, you, uh, there might be conditions and criteria why you can cross the border. Uh, but if nobody, nobody actually controls at the border whether uh, those uh, criteria are fulfilled, uh, those criteria are of much use. So for example, sanctions against carriers, against airplanes, who uh, let in people without uh, valid visa, for example, that's, that's a multi control mechanism. So just to give you some examples of, um, of the difference between regulations and control mechanisms. But in any case, it's about concrete, formal, uh, legal binding uh, regulations. So the second dimension or second uh, differentiation we make is between external and internal regulations. So um, most people will think immigration mostly about external regulations, so that by this, by this we mean regulations that, that concern the very moment somebody crosses the border. So what is the criteria somebody has to fulfill to actually cross the border? But we think it's also important to uh, look at what happens once that people are inside uh, the territory. So what rights do they get or what, what regulations are there actually to renew a permit, for example, or to deport people because uh, people might not only be attracted um, to a country because of its external regulations or how difficult it is to cross the border, but also what they get or how difficult it is actually to then stay in a, in a country. So that's why we make external and in, uh, differentiation between external and internal regulations and give some more uh, concrete um, examples. We have uh, four different sub-dimensions, so what we understand by external is the eligibility criteria and the conditions. Uh, one has to fulfill so eligibility criteria defines the groups that actually are eligible uh, to come and the conditions is to, I mean, as it says, the conditions they need to fulfill. Um, so um, it might be, for example, if you take family reunification policies, uh, eligibility concerns the groups of family members that are allowed to, uh, to migrate, like, I mean, partners or uh, um, parents, children, etc. And then the conditions are the aspects they need to fulfill, like language requirements, for example, um, uh, social aspects, etc. But then it's also important to look at how secure the status is, how long can actually people stay, how easy it is to renew a permit, or how difficult it is, and also the rights they get. Um, that's the rights I mentioned before, especially social and, and economic points. So those are the three uh, policy dimensions. And then basically we, we end up with this kind of scheme uh, uh, table uh, that brings together the fields and, and the policy dimension of them. What we then did is actually completely select items that, that actually for each box we have a series of items that measure uh, these different aspects for all the fields and uh, policy dimensions. So that's, that's the uh, main conceptualization of this INPIC index. Um, so, so as I said, we have, um, uh, I do not want to go 
uh, over this in detail, but this is just like the, the main aspects that we then covered. So for each box, we have um, uh, the most important aspects um, that we completely measure them. Um, yeah, for the all the dimensions and the fields. And also, yes, oh, that's the, all the regulations we have, and that's then the control mechanisms um, for uh, the different aspects. Yeah, we can come back to this if you have more concrete questions on or would like to see more concrete examples. So uh, now, how, how did we actually measure these, <coughs> these items? Um, so first of all, how did we select uh, the items? So the, the three main rules here were that we need items that are relevant in most companies. So it, it's, um, it's, there's no point if we uh, cover aspects that are only relevant in some companies. So we needed to make sure that that the things we measure are relevant to all OECD countries to make them comparable. They need to be comparable in the sense that they mean similar things in, 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 the, in, in all the countries. And there needs also to be a variation across countries. Obviously, it doesn't make sense if you cover something that is that's so obviously important in every country or doesn't vary across countries. They would not help us to explain in the end why the countries are more or less respected. So that those are the, the three main uh, rules uh, we applied to. Um, Select, um, select the concrete items for, the, for each box I just presented. So what we completed is extensive, extensive literature re research. So we see what are the most, most important aspects that are discussed in the literature when it comes to the different dimensions and the different policy fields. And we closely collaborated, first of all, with, with field experts, so people who specialize, for example, in asylum policy or, or in labor migration policy, because obviously, especially at the beginning of this project, we did not know that much about these different fields. Um, so we were in close contact with uh, mostly political scientists who work in these different fields uh, to evaluate the different criteria and items we selected uh, to make sure we did not miss any, any important items or that we could also cut items that, did, that uh, are not considered as important by, by field experts. And then on the other hand, on the, on the other side, we also collaborated with, with country experts, so this will be become important for the next level we present. So in each country we, uh, where we are, or we actually still are, uh, collaborating with, a, with an expert who knows, um, who's not a, especially a, an expert in, in one specific field, but knows a lot about immigration policy in that specific uh, country, because, because obviously we cannot uh, know all OECD countries and how immigration policy are regulated. And here, we mostly collaborated with legal experts, because those are people who actually know the laws and the specific regulations. As I said before, we are, that's, that's the aspect we call and uh, because we, we actually quickly realized that we, as I'm, I'm also a scientist, uh, some of my people are sociologists, that people like us do actually not really know a lot about the concrete form of regulations. And that, that's actually an important uh, thing we need to know. It's, it's not about the general uh, policies uh, we discussed, because we actually need people who know where is it, where do we find the law, what is the concrete formulation, what does it actually mean. Uh, and that's actually an extremely difficult task. And um, uh, for example, for especially for political scientists who are actually more interested in the broader picture than in concrete details. Uh, so that's why we focus on, on legal migration scholars in every, every um, OECD country. Now data sources, so what some projects did not necessarily in the migration field, but in, in other fields where policy indices have been built recently. Uh, so two ways to actually uh, collect data is one through expert surveys, or to rely on reports and secondary literature. Now the problem is, as, as most of you 
certainly know, there's a lot of biases if you, if you apply these kind of methods. Um, because so one way to do it is to ask, ask experts how restrictive for certain countries in a certain field. But uh, when you do this, you never actually know what people will have in mind when they answer these questions. So is it about the policy outcomes, the policy outputs, is it specific aspects of the law? Because even the best expert uh, doesn't really know all the aspects uh, you know, by heart. Um, and especially if you go back in time. So you might be able to do this. And actually, it's, it's some uh, a lot of studies in the fields have shown that those expert services are not necessarily very bad. So sometimes it's actually quite useful to do this because, especially when it comes to if you don't have a lot of resources, and, and there's uh, some validity um, studies who show that, that uh, especially if you only cover recent periods, um, that's not necessarily a bad thing to do, um, and the data might actually be reliable. But the, when you go back in time, that's, that's often all, uh, that's absolutely impossible to do this across time because nobody, even the best expert, knows exactly what was the relation in, in uh, 88 compared to 1992, 90, what was the change? Um, nobody knows all these details. So uh, it, it, it's certainly better to rely on the reports in secondary literature, um, but there also there might be some biases because if you rely on reports and, and, and work that's already, already been done, this actually means that you rely on, on other people's choices. So other people have already made some choices, selected some regulations, interpreted some regulations in a certain way. Um, that's not necessarily a bad thing uh, because you know you could actually also believe other people that they did work correctly. But of course, uh, those choices they made might not correspond to the choices you made in your conceptualization. So that might also be a problem. So the best way actually to do this, and, and I would say most of the work in the migration literature has done it uh, this way, and so we do it in the same way. We, we actually take a look at the concrete legal regulations. So we go back to the laws and, and, and uh, are coding the laws and reading the laws. Now, obviously, we cannot do this by uh, ourselves for OECD countries. Um, so that's just what I said before. So concrete regulations, no opinions, subjective knowledge. But obviously, there's also problems with that. First of all, practical problems. Uh, I don't know um, how many languages are covered in all OECD countries, 20, 25 or so. So uh, no research team in the world knows uh, all these languages. Then it's also difficult to access uh, the information, especially when you go back in time, you might actually be able to access most of the laws online uh, for, the, for the recent years, but not if you go back to the 1980s. And then the more, more content-related conceptual problem is that um, laws are written in different ways in different countries. Uh, the same terms mean different things in different countries, the different legal traditions. So that's, uh, again, why we collaborate with legal schools we have like an expert in every country who helps us actually to understand uh, to interpret these regulations. Um, otherwise, this would just not be possible. So we collaborate with country experts. Uh, we already use for the for the first step to conceptualize the whole the whole uh, aspects and to select the items. Um, we know the complete sources. So what we, what we did, they they so they help us find the information and also indicate the sources. So we have actually all the sources um, uh, to make sure that that all the information we get from our experts or, um, are based on actually pretty little text. Now, the, probably the most important aspect when you, when you collaborate with so many experts is to be in close contact, uh, contact with them uh, for, for, for a certain period, to go back and forth to make clear what we understand by certain terms, by certain regulations, um, to do pre-tests, et cetera, et cetera, to really make sure that all the experts understand the same by the terms you use as we do. Um, to make this as reliable as possible. So that's um, 
Yeah, that's just what I just said. Now, how did we actually do this completely? Uh, sorry, uh, <coughs> so with, with, what we did is for, for every aspect I presented before, for the, all the items that you find in this table I briefly showed you before. Um, so we have a specific question we ask to, to code the specific aspects. For example, here, uh, what's that again? That's about family reunification. So um, um, the, the, the aspect is how long or did the sponsor need to have resided in the country for a specific amount of time before his or her family members could immigrate? So that, that's one of the concrete items we covered in, in this. Um, so we ask this question um, for every year between 1980 and 2010. Um, so that, that, that's just an example of how this works. So we have like a yes, that's a yeah, first of all a yes no question, but then it was also possible to indicate the exact amount of time somebody needed to reside in a country before um, they could bring their family. So that's one kind of one measurement of restrictiveness. So the longer they have to be in a country, the more restrictive the regulation is for this complete item. So we have this for basically every, or actually we have it for every item. We came up with such a, such a formulation question. And actually it took us, this seems very simple here, but it took us at least half a year or up to a year, I would say, to come up with the, with the concrete, with the questions and the terms you use in contact with the, with the experts, because you really have to make sure that, I mean, this seems very simple and straightforward here, but you know, that, that everybody understands the same thing in every country and that, that actually this is also an aspect because this is a relevant aspect, but we came up first with things that are not relevant in the world of countries that experts will tell us all that that's, that's, it doesn't make sense. We don't, we don't <coughs> use this term, uh, that's not a regulation that's relevant in this country. So there was, a lot, as I said before, a lot of fact, uh, a lot of discussion with the experts to really make sure that in the end we come up with, with formulations, questions, and items that are relevant and mean the same thing in every country. I'm not saying that we really achieved this end because obviously this. You cannot um, uh, rule out all the, all the exceptions, but you know, to come as close as possible to this, this overall thing. But this is just to give you an example how this can completely work. And then uh, we actually collected the data online. So we have an online uh, um, tool that looks like, looks like that. So that's just another example of a question. So all the information we collected together with the country experts was uh, collected online. So. Uh, they didn't need to fit, uh, send us any Excel sheets or documents or anything like that. So we could do this all online. So we did have, not have to uh, write this uh, ourselves in the end. And this is also a way actually to control what the experts did and what we did. So we could uh, see actually what is what the, all this information that has already been filled in. Uh, do we understand the information that is there? I ask there any open questions. So, um, so every expert actually had access uh, at so there was basically a web page for every country. We had one, like a mask like this, for every question um, where people could fill in the information. So it's just an example how this then completely worked. Um, and th so th this is basically, so there's again a less no, less no question where people could also indicate, uh, sometimes there was op um, you know, an open question where they had to fill in a number or like a term statement. Relevant, and then for each question, it was also possible to uh, indicate comments. Because as I said before, we made sure that actually the question could be answered the way we asked it in every county. But obviously, there's always some some broader issues. So for example, that people could indicate, well, if the answer is actually yes, but there might be a but for certain countries. So there was, was the possibility to indicate comments if there were exceptions for certain years. 
On the right side, you see the, the sources they indicated, so they indicated the sources, the articles, the, the concrete laws, and if possible, also the link, um, the online link to this law, so that we know where, where the, the uh, information can be found. And this was also some, power, some kind of control mechanisms to make sure that the experts actually really indicate information from the laws. And, uh, because you actually you don't know in the end whether they would just fill it in uh, what they have in their mind or whether they really base their information on concrete laws. So this this also some kind of a control mechanism. Can I ask a quick question? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, not all migration policies embedded in laws, right? And what about directives and regulations? Or do you also include them? I mean, do you see them as legally binding? Yeah, as long as, so basically, all the documents you need to answer this question here. Well, uh, consider, uh, yeah. Exactly because you know, for political scientists, law is a law, but uh, once you start to discuss with legal scholars, you, you see that actually a law. No, that's something we had, I mean, we knew it before, but we had to learn this. And we actually even hired a, a PhD student who works with a legal scholar for a couple of months, actually help us with all the technology and so because first we thought, well, it's pretty obvious, but it isn't at all. Um, um, so you need to work with legal scholars when you do this kind of stuff. stuff. And I could also indicate that's um, on, the, um, on the top, on the left side. Um, the problem is sometimes, uh, well, there's different laws, different documents, and they could indicate us whether they think actually they have found all the relevant information, all the relevant documents to answer this question or not. So it's also a little bit of a measurement of, of how good the data is in the end. Uh, I have not really evaluated this yet um, to see whether you might be that some of the information has not been included because they have no access or whatever. Yeah, that's basically how, how we collected the data, how we uh, collaborated with the company experts. Uh, next steps now, as I said, we just actually finished. We, we had the last meeting last week to uh, discuss last uh, data cleaning issues. Uh, so the data set is actually now ready uh, for, the, for the analysis. So what we will do, we will build different indices. So the idea is actually to have indices that uh, show us how restrictive countries are also across time, but also in the different subfields. So it might be that the country is relatively restrictive overall, but more, you know, more liberal in, in one field than the other. So, um, so we will aggregate the data to have different indices. Um, and basically, the whole aim of this project is then to analyze causes and effects of immigration policies. Why are certain countries more restrictive than others? Is it actually possible to steer and to control immigration in the sense, does this affect immigration rates? So that's, that's an open question so far. Um, uh, so a lot of people actually doubt that we can really control immigration with immigration laws, especially compared to other aspects. So it might be that immigration rules have an, uh, have an impact on immigration rates, but the, the effect might be way weaker than the economic aspects, for example. So this is actually the aim of this project and to uh, do this analysis in more detail. And at some point, certainly not in this project, uh, but uh, hopefully in the next project uh, we do or somebody else do, thus uh, it would be great to also uh, include non-OECD countries. As I said before, most of the projects so far, there are some exceptions, uh, cover Western countries, um, which also poses, of course, a lot of limits, but uh, of course that would be a great next step for another, for another project to have even a broader picture of immigration policies. Okay, that's all I wanted to